You are now locked in to the Midnight Genius Hour. When you walk through the garden, you gotta watch your back. Well, I beg your pardon, walk the straight and narrow track. If you walk with Jesus, he's gonna save your soul. Buddy, thanks for joining us here at Midnight Genius Hour. This is Brian in the house. What's up, world? Welcome to the MGH podcast. You got your boy Nick here. So glad for y'all to join us here. Just heard some Tom Waits way down in the hole. You ever heard that song before? Negative, man. Have not heard it. Um, but definitely in the, the Tom Waits style that I know. Um, got his crazy voice and you know, his uh, folky guitar. I mean, it's it's nice. I like that track. They got some uh, no, more uh, notoriety with The uh, the Wire. Um, the Wire had five seasons, and every single season they had a cover 
of that song but it's fitting to that 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 uh that show because it's about all these people doing shady things and and uh, using people and using uh different resources to get ahead uh so yeah check it out if you haven't heard anything by tom waits she's been making music for 30 plus years singer songwriter i remember when i saw him at the plaza that was maybe uh 10 years ago that was pretty epic damn that was already 10 years ago more than that i want to say and uh they even gave him the city they gave him the key to the city i remember a cop showed up in the middle of the concert and a I, I thought it was genuine. Tom Waits looked pretty surprised. He was playing the piano, and I think he even made a joke about how he had paid some tickets or something. Awesome artist. And that tour was really cool because he specifically picked cities that were not big-name cities, like your L.A., New Yorks. I think he went to Tulsa, El Paso, Tucson. Nice, man. So we got a special episode for you all. We got a special Midnight Genius Hour Comedy Hour. Hell yeah. We love the laughs here at MGH, that's for sure. Um, it's all about music. It's all about good art, whether it be on screen or uh, on paper. But uh, one of the things we like to do is laugh our asses off, boys. So hopefully we got a, a cool um, mixture of uh, some funny stuff going on. Yeah, I like the way you say that because <laughs> I, I think that was one of the biggest things I try to aim for is you, you want to have those uh, laughing out loud moments, you know, or you can just let loose. It's, it feels good for the soul, you know? For sure, man. I mean, uh, you got to be able to uh, cry in a in a week. You got to be able to um, be happy and smile. And um, laughing is a big part of life, man huge part of life what have you been up to uh what have you been up to to keep yourself busy this past week oh i've been doing a lot of running man but um kind of hurt myself i think uh one of those uh what is it called um fatigue kind of issue injuries um the el paso parks and rec department was doing a uh, a challenge to run 19 miles for covid 19 right that's the number um, in 10 days. So you had from the 20th to the 30th to run 19 miles. And so um, I was all hyped about it, was running just about every day. But, you know, when you're just about any runner for that matter, but especially a runner that's, uh, you know, barely getting into the swing of things, I think it was just too much and started giving me some back issues. But I'm, I'm getting back healthy. So how about you? Well, did you, how many miles did you get in the end? I think I was shy three, bro. So I got 16 miles. Then the last two days, I was going to split it in like, you know, a mile and a half or two miles here, two miles there. But nah, last two days, I was just like, got to lay off the running for at least a, a day or two. Hey, man, kudos to you for getting down on it, though. Thank you. Thank you. I mean, I definitely feel running has, uh, been reinvigorated in my life for sure um at least in the past month i think it was definitely the stroller i I mentioned that to you last time you know having a two-seater stroller just gives me the ability to run whatever the fuck i want with the kids um but yeah it's just a matter of treating your body right once you are back in the swing of things and i got two uh overzealous man yeah man it's definitely good i think running any kind of exercise is just 
just good for the mind, the soul. And it helps me to keep uh, sane. One other thing I wanted to share was uh, this interesting experience I had with the uh, pizza delivery. I don't know if I want to say the name. I mean, usually, usually we get great service from them. I mean, you and I have ordered from them before at your place. They're right around the corner. The other day I do an order and I decided to call it in. And while you call it in, you have to sit there and listen to a little recording. And on that recording, they say, we are only doing contactless deliveries right now. So that's that's it. There's no option there. If you come into the store, let us know if you want uh, contactless pickup and we can make it happen. And, and so I placed my order, hung up. I'm working, working from home. And as I'm working from home, I hear the doorbell ring. So I'm thinking, okay, pizza's here. 30 seconds later, they knock at the door. I'm like, what the hell? I'm in the middle of a call. 30 seconds later, they ring the doorbell again. Oh, my then, God. <laughs> then at this point, uh, I think at this point, I'm finally able to put the, the, the call on hold so I can go and answer the, the door. I go and answer the door. Nobody's there. There's no pizza. Nobody's there. I call I call the pizza place and I'm like, hey, what's going on? Why is uh, I'm working? The the pizza guy was here. Why didn't he leave the pizza? And they told me that I have to open the door to to let to to make sure that he hands me the pizza. And I said, what the fuck? Uh, this is the second time I'm calling you, and you guys are saying you're only doing contactless delivery. Well, yeah, he he's got to hand it to you to to make sure you never know someone could come by and pick it up. And I was just bemused at this point. I was like, wait a second, contactless delivery? I, I don't understand what the big deal is. Uh, finally, the guy comes back. He finally rings the doorbell, takes off, and leaves. I go outside and pick up the pizza maybe two minutes later. It's sitting down on a little cardboard pedestal. And this cardboard pedestal has the logo of the pizza place. And right on the little cardboard logo it says contactless delivery oh gente I, they don't know how to use contactless, contactless delivery apparently. I can't believe that At the whole time he had some little pedestal that he's supposed to be using to put the pizza there but for some reason they were still adamant that I had to had to greet the, uh, the driver man this country is crazy the biggest thing that we got to talk about for sure is how We've been talking about it here at the Midnight Genius Hour, and we've been talking about how we're nowhere ready to reopen, and yet an out-of-touch governor who is really was behind to begin with and is certainly behind now is pushing to reopen, and uh, today is uh, officially our first day of reopening. And what's really scary is uh, the hospitalization, you know, the hospitalization and the the uh, the ICU admits are, are growing and, and our deaths, our deaths have doubled in the last couple of days. I think it was what, um, two days ago, we had four deaths in one day, four deaths in one day. I mean, previously we had two deaths and then boom, it doubled to four. And two days later, which is today, we are, are, are starting phase one of opening the economy. It's trash, man. I mean, and that's actually what I wanted to mention about what I said about what the actual federal, you know, guidelines. And these guidelines are nothing more than, you know, a, a basic groundwork for states to try and follow. 
um, and as basic as they are, they say that you should not start phase one until you see two weeks of consistent decline in positive cases. And for most mm -hmm. uh, states, if not every single state, that is not the case. It hasn't been two weeks of uh, uh, a downward trajectory. Um, not just here in El Paso, but the whole state of Texas. Yet, Abed Afuerzas wants to fucking save the economy. And I've said this again and again. It's all about fucking workers, bro. And I think it's highly ironic, if not appropriate, that they force us into a open economy during a pandemic on May 1st, which is International Workers' Day. How fucked up is that? The day that you're supposed to um, celebrate and um, recognize the working class of the world, the laborers, the people that really put their back on, on the line, um, you're saying to them, fuck you, put your health and your life on the line, man. Oh, it's, it's, it's sad and tragic and I'm scared. I'm scared of the second wave and and the increase of cases can, you know, ex exacerbate already um, stressed healthcare system. Yeah, I think it's really scary too when you put it in perspective that I think Texas has 50 deaths, the whole state of Texas, and we in El Paso have 22, and we weren't even one of the places that was a hot spot to begin with, like San Antonio or uh, that area. It's it's really scary. And, you know, you're talking about a second wave and you're making a lot of good points because not only are, have we not seen a decrease for two weeks, but we're not even close. I think last week we were talking about how we had 74 cases in one day. And now the cases are still popping up 20 or 30 a day. But now we're getting more grave and serious cases where people have to be hospitalized and more ICU admits and people dying. We had someone die that didn't have any underlying health conditions. One thing I definitely want to talk about that I've seen on the news a lot is how um, you were mentioning uh, you know, a woman by the name of Carla Dominguez, uh, a nurse, a uh, Beller graduate. Uh, passed away probably from coronavirus but they're not announcing her as a definite for sure COVID-19 uh, caused a death and why not why do you think that is well so I think she was positive and the fact that she died I think should immediately make the medical examiner you know mark that as as if not the main cause of death, uh, uh, underlying factor or contributing factor, should I say? Um, but I think it was the manner in how she died, which is actually scarier than the conspiracy that you know the El Paso Health Department isn't um, you know recording her death. The reality is is that we don't know a lot about this fucking virus, man, and that is actually terrifying. For someone like myself who and you as well and other americans who aren't um you know just watching memes and fox news we're actually reading scientific journals and listening to doctors and stuff and so much research is coming out that we don't know a lot and that 
they're finding that uh, a huge thing for asymptomatic younger patients that the blood is clotting in a very strange way because of the virus and you're having aneurysms brain bleeds um, as a cause of death for a lot of the younger crowd and this um, you know beautiful young woman who again Air grad she was in school with us I mean we didn't we didn't really talk to her or know her but I mean to think that someone that I was in high school with who went on to be a an amazing healthcare worker in the nursing field um, succumb to it in such a I mean strange and bizarre way that we don't understand the virus yet but you ask these republicans and all these crazy people storming um state capitals to to take this message as um hey we need to fucking step back and not open up everything too quick no they're they're gonna lose their shit man yeah i think you hit the nail on the head with the fact that it's uh such a, a, a new virus that we're still learning about and so many different formulas and theories have been floating around but we don't have anything concrete and it's going to be a long time maybe months years until we know exactly symptoms causes and how to treat it and so much more but i think it also highlights that where we live in a community that's highly susceptible to a full-blown uh, spike, a full-blown, uh, I mean, uh, just a full-blown outbreak. And they, they need to, I think one thing was was really, was, was going to try to help us out is uh, Veronica Escobar interviewing or talking to Dr. Anthony Fauci. And even he mentioned that just looking at our stats, at our demographics, at the community, we're very susceptible to to having an outbreak here. And we're only going to be able to prevent it by increasing testing, which we don't nearly do enough here in the state of Texas. We don't nearly do enough testing. We are we're comparable to other cities in Texas. But when you look at nationwide, other places that are doing a lot of testing, we're way behind. And second, one thing that they've been talking a lot about is uh, contact tracing, which is uh, just basically interviewing the fuck out of the people that have been confirmed cases to find out who they've been hanging out with and trying to get in talk in contact with all those people that has to be ramped up as well. Yeah, man, I think that was uh, one thing that is. Uh obviously a difficult thing to do but something that just never took off um when this pandemic started i remember about three months ago when a woman who is obviously an anti-vaxxer took her kids out with measles and she didn't know they had measles but they had measles and they went out to maybe four or five stores right and immediately the health department said if you were at these stores on these days please contact us and we'll reach out to you to get you tested yada 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 yet you know a couple months later we're you know staring a pandemic you know down the barrel of the gun and no contact tracing that i have ever heard of at least has truly really been going on so i really hope that they can get a hold on that so they can start you know, alerting the people that might be asymptomatic at the time to, hey, 
stop going out, you were in contact with someone that was positive. Yeah, I think it's uh, I think it's really sad that the when when the whole pandemic was starting to hit and every when the whole shit hit the fan, the main government said, "Well, it's going to be up to the states and the local governments to decide what they want to do." And then the state comes out and says, well, it's up to the local government to see what they want to do. And now that we have something in place that is definitely what we need for our community, we can't continue that because on the flip side, they're allowed to say, "Okay, yeah, we are making a decision that you have to follow us and you have to start reopening. That's just a bunch of bullshit, man. Yeah, again, because there's no direction from the federal government, man. Yeah, but I mean, it's just so backwards. They they, they want to let us make the decision on whatever we're going to do to handle the, the pandemic to begin with. But now that they want to reopen, okay, well, yeah, you guys still want to handle it how you want, but no, you can't. We're, we're going to step in. It's obvious that the mayor and a lot of the city officials are reluctant to, to go along with it, but they have no choice. They have no choice. And one of the biggest things we've been talking about, too, is how a lot of these cases are because fools are acting a fool. How many of these cases are because people were hanging out in Easter? How many cases are we going to get in a couple of weeks because people are hanging out on Mother's Day? You know, you don't think you don't think that we want to hang out with our moms and and give them a hug and and, and give them some flowers. I I mean, we got to get creative. You know, I mean, this is this is real, real life shit. And I think that the one thing is that also is that a lot of people just don't take it serious in this town. All the all the dumb fucks that are nationally going around and taking their guns and not wearing face masks to the capitals. Um, I saw last week tonight they had a bunch of the idiots that were in Michigan rallying and you start asking them legit questions about the virus and they don't even know the facts. One idiot was in his truck and they asked him a question and he said he said that the virus was uh, created by the Democrats. Oh, my God. some other lady was saying that this the the virus is not as bad as the flu how come they're making so much of a big deal about the virus uh and not the flu i mean and this was just a couple of weeks ago we've had the fucking coronavirus in this fucking country for i don't know how long and these people are still ignorant to not even know what the virus is because again they don't they don't they don't choose to want to know they choose the the lemon the lemonade they Kool-Aid that Trump is feeding them, bro. They they run to their um, little web pages and info wars and Alex Jones is telling them that this is a fucking conspiracy to control you and they just fucking yeah. eat that shit up, bro. It's fucking scary. Yeah. But for sure I will You're say right. this. Speaking of Michigan, just yesterday um, tons of armed protesters, armed with fucking AKs, stormed the Capitol building. Not, I mean, no face masks, no social distancing, just crowds of rabid fucking protesters saying, open up the economy. And police had to actually stand, a, you know, stand in a wall to uh, prevent these people from storming the... The governor's fucking office, bro. I mean, I don't even know if she was there or not, but that's fucking crazy, dude. And the biggest thing that drives me nuts is the fact that I promise you, when I saw the Black Lives Matter protests in um, Ohio after the Michael Brown incident and in Louisiana and, you know, New York and stuff and around the country... 
Fucking Charlottesville. Time and time and time again, they were met with, I mean, the 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 most armed police presence you could imagine. We're talking military style vehicles. We're talking tear gas, rubber bullets, attack dogs, fucking snipers on buildings, bro. And these people were protesting the death of, you know, a young individual. These people are protesting having to stay home and watch fucking reruns. It's insane. I saw some pictures definitely of the officers making a wall and they're wearing face masks and someone in their face yelling at them. Screaming, spitting into their face, bro. That's definitely no fucking contactless delivery. It's funny, too, because um, all those uh, pale um, complexion individuals in those crowds um, love to say that blue lives matter, right? They love to jump on the blue lives matter um, bandwagon. And police and cops, they're, they're our heroes. And the Black Lives Matter people are just a bunch of um, thugs and criminals. And for us, blue lives matter, you know? Yeah. But don't let me go to Applebee's for a month, and I'm going to go fucking spit in your face <laughs> and tell you that you're fucking a socialist. It's I want to get my unlimited boneless wings and riblets, god damn it. You see, you see, this goddamn pandemic is stopping me from getting dollar um, hurricanes down at the Applebee's on 5th. <laughs> And that's fucked up. Uh, usually I'm drinking a Brutus right about now with Cletus. Instead, we got to watch reruns of Cheers. But you know well, what, man? Roseanne is next. And, you know, goddamn, I don't know why they took her off that show. She That, that beautiful, you know, woman made that goddamn show. So I don't know why they had to goddamn liberals and their fucking Bernie bros and the goddamn snowflakes. I need a goddamn haircut. For reals, man. <laughs> We've been talking about fucking haircuts almost every week here. But you know what? Enough of the fucking sad talk. We here at the Midnight Genius Hour, we support social distancing. That's the right thing. We're here to tell you. You got to stay apart. Stay home, motherfuckers. Wear your mask if you're going out. Wash your motherfucking hands. And if you feel sick, just stay home. Don't go nowhere, bitch. Just don't go nowhere. And please read the facts. Just go to the CDC website. There's no reason why the Center for Disease Control would have any reason to lie. Read the facts, get educated, and know what you're talking about. Faux show. Um, I will just say. Don't be like fucking uh, Rush Limbaugh. Uh, Rush Limbaugh said that uh, COVID-19 is called COVID-19 because it's the 19th coronavirus. No, bitch. It came out in fucking 2019. That's why it's stupid. Yeah, exactly. He's a fucking retard, man. I mean, it's fucking gold. It's fucking CP, CP, C3PO penis he talks out of. <laughs> Let's get into uh, the meat of our episode here. 
Welcome to the Midnight Genius Comedy Hour. Woo, shit. Love some laughs, bro. Fuck, man. What should we talk about first? Should we get into the TV show, some of our best well, shows? I think or? for me, you know, the, the most difficult type of comedy, but at the same time, the most rewarding for both the performer and for the audience mm. is just the rawest most visceral form of comedy and that's gotta be stand-up baby oh the most purest in its format you cannot you cannot distill comedy to a more pure form than a person getting up in front of an audience and just talking to them and making them laugh yeah that's a good way of putting it because pure we'll get into the creative minds that write beautiful TV shows and and different things of the like, but one of the uh, one of my first stand-up comics that I first got into was Mitch Hedberg. Wow! So I had an old friend, and he actually had uh, comedy CDs. He he would actually buy uh, CDs uh, of different comedians. And he had a couple. I can't remember many of their names. I know he had Jim Gaffigan, who I think is pretty solid. But he really got me hooked on Mitch Hedberg. And if you don't know Mitch Hedberg, you know, he's just, he's your your plainly spoken, matter-of-fact comedian. I know you've heard him, right, Nick? Yeah, man. I mean, the way I would describe him is just deadpan, bro. I mean, like, no frills. He's going to have his set, and he's going to fucking say his jokes. And, I mean, if you don't get him, it's just going to completely blow over your head, bro. But when you do yeah. get him and when you do appreciate that humor, oh, my God, he's fucking hilarious. And I guess I really just liked his uh, delivery because he was always self-deprecating, always making fun of himself. I'll give you, uh, I'll give all the genius heads a, a Mitch Hedberg joke. It's a short one. I like to call a cheese grater by its real name. Sponge Ruiner. Sponge Ruiner. (laughs) (laughs) He was a great comedian. He lived to only be, I don't know, 24. I think he passed away uh, early thousands, early 2000s. a little bit younger than 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 us, actually. Uh, yeah, he, he he was just. I, I really liked. Uh, he, he was solid, you know. And sometimes he would turn his back to the the crowd because he just wasn't uh, too much in the limelight kind of guy. But he was one of my first comedians that I got into. What about you? I just want to say my favorite Mitch Hedberg joke is uh, he says something, and and then the way he delivered his delivery, the, his whole this whole like speech pattern. I mean, it's so much a part of like who he is as a comic. <laughs> but uh, my favorite Mitch, Mitch Hedberg joke is uh, escalators cannot be out of order; they can only become a flight of stairs. <laughs> yeah, and then he's like, he's like, hey, what's wrong with that elevator? It's broken. Ah, it's not broken. Those are stairs. Exactly, bro. Funny Another guy, good man. one. A real quick short one. 
is <laughs> i mean just he, he had a he had a funny one about picketing i think he said something like i'm against picketing i just don't know how to show it that's fucking hilarious so for me um probably one of the first comics that i got into um, a little bit later in life i would say like 12 13 and a lot of it was obviously because my parents were listening to it was uh, george lopez and um you know always being very proud and um identifying as a mexican american chicano or whatever i mean his jokes were always there i mean they would hit you just understood them because it was your oh culture my gosh, and stuff man. yeah um, you're uh, yeah man awesome awesome pick man awesome pick but um later in life i i started switching it up again you know you 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 grow your you you grow intellectually and stuff and i know in um in high school i i thought i was a little bit more intellectual and uh david cross became someone i really really got into and he's got a funny delivery too i mean the way he kind of crafts his jokes and he's kind of got this weird deadpan kind of sense to him um, but he became one of my favorites. He's got a. I love David Cross because he's um, fucking vulgar as fuck, and he's got a great delivery too. But I really like your George Lopez pick because he really resonated with us, and he came and toured here almost every single year. How oh many my times? God. How many times I, have you seen him? Dude, so this is the crazy thing. Um, I didn't mention I was at. I think there was two tapings, so, you know, I was at least at one of them, <laughs> but uh, the Latin Kings of Comedy, bro, filmed here in Chucotown at the Abraham Chavez. I mean, they had did George really? Lopez, I know. I did not know that. They had Paul Rodriguez, of course, a titan of, you know, Chicano comedy, um, and shit, like two other dudes, two, three other dudes. What was that other guy that had his own show for a while? Carlos Mencia. Carlos Mencia. There you Dude, go. Dude, yeah. him and him and George Lopez beefed because everybody said Carlos Mencia jacked jokes, bro. Well, it's because they kind of, I mean, when you think about it, they're both covering the same territory. They're both highlighting that Mexican Hispanic culture. For sure. And for one, sure. One of my favorite George Lopez jokes is how he's always uh, uh, talking about how we can't be happy for each other. It, like oh someone gets a, a new a new job oh that's cool I mean hopefully you don't fuck it up like the last one you know <laughs> you think you're all bad now <laughs> you know it's funny you mentioned that because I was gonna say like what does comedy mean to me in my life and as uh, a child of a Mexican family a proud Mexican family um that was one of the biggest things dude is you just always got clowned on bro just everybody was just constantly talking shit about you and to you in a loving way because it's familia you know um and it was funny because i was fine with it like i learned to be like okay this is how we this is how we roll in this family and it's all about like you know taking digs at each other but it's funny because my sister who's you know only yeah, exactly. four and a half taking years digs younger at each other. yeah uh, she's only four and a half years younger than me, though, but she fucking hated it, dude. Until this day, she, you know, she'll be quick to, like, fucking punch you if you say something, you know, a little bit too funny. Even though it fucking, you know, hits. 
Yeah, dude. I think that's uh, I think that's something I grew up with too. You know, it's I guess it's kind of you could call it tough love in a way. But you know, if I'm picking on you, that means I think you're cool. If I'm not picking on you, then obviously you're not that cool to me. Isn't that a but funny I, thing? I mean, is, is does every culture have that? You know, I don't uh, know. I think it's stronger but, in the Mexican culture. I really do. Yeah, that's why I was like, I was gonna say back to George Lopez. A lot of his jokes were about how he always got the raw end of the stick, where there are too many kids in the family, so just we all gotta share the popsicle, you know, lick it and pass it, lick it and pass it. One of my favorite ones was I think how that was a churro, a churro. There you go. Or one of my favorite ones was how he was like, man, fuck, we didn't have no fucking hot dog buns when we were little. My mom would just get a regular piece of bread and float it over and just fold it over the the weenie, and it's the same thing, the same thing. And I, I, I mean, I, I that's I, I can that's relatable. My mom would do the exact same thing. There's so many things that he would say that my family would do the exact same thing. I can remember being at a cookout and all oh, fuck, we didn't bring bread. Go get the loaf of bread from inside the house. It's the same thing. Okay, so I just have to say a funny story since this is the comedy hour. Um, since we're talking, or since you mentioned the whole weenies and uh, hot dog thing and no bread, mm-hmm. so my daughter, um, she has been living in Austin for too goddamn long, and you know she just kind of has lost that whole Mexican kind of uh, lingo at least, you know, and. I picked her up last summer. We were going to go camping. And, you know, she's all excited. Let's go. Let's go get some some fucking camping groceries and stuff. So we're loading up on meat and drinks and all that good stuff. And I'm like, yo, we need we need fucking we're going to have hot dogs. Right. So we need like where the weenies at. And to me, that's a normal word because I'm Mexican and shit and from El Paso. But I don't think a lot of people use weenies. In describing like you know Franks or whatever the fuck hot dogs, um, so we're at Whole Foods in Austin, Texas, and Austin, Texas is fucking one of the whitest fucking places in Texas, even though it's supposedly liberal. Um, and so I asked the guy at Whole Foods, "Hey, uh, excuse me, where are your weenies at?" And the guy fucking looked at me. Like, I was fucking from Mars, bro. He gave me the fucking weirdest look because apparently he's just never heard anybody say weenies. And so he was like, uh. And as soon as, like, it came out of my mouth, at the same time, Madi is like, my daughter is like fucking bust out laughing in that, like, kind of like I'm trying to, like, catch my laugh. Oh, my God. And she was just like, oh, my God, Dad, weenies. And I'm like, that's what I say. What the fuck? They're weenies. <coughs> yeah, I, that's definitely something unique to our culture for sure. I mean, because my whole thing is uh, a hot dog. You know what a hot dog is? A hot dog is a fully assembled weenie in bun, you know, with whatever fixings you want on it. That's a hot dog. But yeah. when you separate them, you have a weenie or for white people, a frank um, or a hot link, a sausage, a sausage, and then you have a bun separately. But the fucking meat by itself is not a fucking hot dog, bro. So clown on me for saying we knee. 
let's get into some of our favorite sitcoms. Uh, I mean, when it comes down to... I mean, if I had to pick a favorite TV show, sitcom or not, I think I said it before, but The Simpsons, Simpsons hands down, best TV show for me. And I, I guess I would have to weight it uh, amongst other shows. And maybe once I'm old, it might not be the top because I watch a lot of the older Simpsons instead of the newer ones. The older ones are just classic. That I just felt they had that great blend of pop culture references, uh, just those those trademark uh, comedy bits. You know, Homer Simpson just plays the 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 funniest, dumbest husband in in history. And then if I had to go a top two or top three, I would definitely have Seinfeld up there, and probably the UK version of The Office. The UK office is good because they went out on a high note. They didn't have to prolong it. And that show was so good that the U.S. office basically got to ride on their coattails for the first season and a half. So for me personally, um, Seinfeld, which is obviously in your top three, that is going to be the, um, I mean, number one, will always have my heart, fucking sitcom. I mean, each character is uh so complex even when they're one-dimensional people um it's just it's beautiful the situational comedy is great in that show um what i love about seinfeld too was that there was no there was no uh, characters having to uh, give awkward uh cheesy apologies to one another they didn't have to have these uh weird love triangles i mean jerry and elaine had their little thing at the beginning but you could tell the writers could tell that wasn't going to go anywhere they didn't have to have complicated romantic stories i mean it was just them dealing with normal everyday things trying to pretend like they're decent people when they're really horrible people <laughs> exactly that's what i love about it is that at the end of the day they are regular horrible people just like you and i and there's no, you know, liberating factor to that them. Thing, the they think they're, they're better than anyone else, you know. <laughs> yeah. And and and, and like I said, is one of my favorite characters oh my of God. all time, all time, bro. Like he is I just agree. so completely oblivious to to the world sometimes, <laughs> and so self-absorbed. Oh, he's a fucking hilarious guy. But he's not evil, you know. He's not evil. He's not like a complete bad guy, by no means. And I think also the fact that the show, 20 years later, is still in syndication. I mean, you can find that TV show right now probably somewhere. And, and you can find that anywhere in the country. That show is still making money. That show is timeless. Timeless. Um, and then I know that you, you're not a huge fan of The Simpsons. What's, what's your biggest gripe? Uh. I think the just the whole kind of pop culture references to me, like they hit for sure and make it relevant and make it funny for the times. But a lot of them, I feel you're just pandering to the current audience at the moment, you know, like where Seinfeld deals in themes that are just 
um, ever-ending ideas, whether it's the 60s or fucking 2020s, you know, it's it's everlasting. Sometimes I feel like the, the Simpsons pop culture references can kind of get in the way of a lot of that stuff, but... I will say this, the Simpsons are classic in their, uh, the type of humor that they have between, in between the family, you know, like they are one of the more funny families, uh, that are out there. I'm trying to think of other like sitcom families. I mean, the Simpsons oh, take the my cake God. for like, a uh, a family of what? Five. Well, when it comes to sitcom families, uh, one of my favorite ones is Arrested Development. That one Ooh, is. That's a great one. Yeah, I mean, that's one of your other shows that you have on the list. We're talking about David Cross. I think I just blew <laughs> myself. Oh my god! And that that all all of his stupid uh, entendres that he says that he doesn't get, and everyone else is just laughing. Uh, I mean, that show, and then also uh, families. Um, one of the shows that I liked a lot, maybe not one of my favorites of all time, but Malcolm in the Middle was also very funny when it was out. Damn, that was really old, man. We were like in, not to show our age, but we were like in... Middle school? Well, late middle school. Late yeah. middle school to high school type shit. I mean, shout out to Brian Cranston, you know? Malcolm in the Middle Dad to Breaking Bad. <laughs> what a great actor, man. That's what an actor, actor right there. And uh, definitely, we talking about Seinfeld. You know, I've mentioned this before. Uh, curb Your Enthusiasm, baby. I mean, one of the greatest comedy comedic writers for you know uh sitcoms mr larry david i mean that that show oh man and then also and it only had a few seasons but also when we were growing up man martin i remember watching martin late at night and just laughing my ass off man I loved it when he had all his different characters that he became. Shanene. <laughs> Remember Shanene, dude, with the long-ass nails? And his and her braids all fucking. You're like, oh, no, no. I mean, he was, oh, man. That show was just so funny. The the dumbass friend Tommy, uh, I mean, Cole, Gina, so fine. For sure, it's funny because I never watched Martin even back in the day. Like, really? I don't know why. It just it completely wow, flew under my dude. radar. I forgot what reason. night it came out on, but that was a highlight. I'm like, man, Martin is coming out. That show is hilarious. Yeah, man. So I'll be 100% honest, man. When Martin was, uh, you know, on the airwaves back in the day when we were kids, uh, you know, it really flew under my radar. Like, I knew about it. I saw it in passing. I saw his, you know, crazy characters and his... Uh, over-the-top comedy but it just didn't it didn't translate to me i thought i guess was cooler than that a lot of martin's kind of stick is stick should i say is um kind of slapstick kind of over the top like i said and i don't know just back then i thought maybe i was better than that and shit but i must say in recent fucking years dude um martin will play like in a four-hour block eight episodes on BET at night and dude I can just fucking watch like four or five episodes straight like the shit he's talking about his silliness I mean it's at least now it's a it's a huge fucking escape for me so I'm a big fan now well, I'm definitely glad to hear that man because that's that's the best way I like to describe it too is the just the silliness you know it's just that kind of comedy where you're just sitting there laughing at how silly and playful he is 
and just recently I saw the ending to this last episode where uh, Gina gets her head stuck in the uh, floorboard uh, the headboard of the bed like in between <laughs> the <laughs> and and <laughs> to at the end of the episode where they're trying to figure out how to get her out of it uh they're just making so many jokes about her being stuck in there you know so many puns you know like oh we gotta we, we gotta get out there and get a head start and just i mean so many just funny little puns and just being silly i mean and just laughing out loud i think that's the best testament or the true testament to a really good show is i'm not just chuckling but i'm laughing my ass off because it's that hilarious and martin it was it's just a classic show for that so um so going into another show by a lead uh, black man who had me in fucking stitches bro I love the guy, but I have a super complicated relationship with him and his legacy, um, you know, and his, I mean, that was one of the things that was like must see mm-hmm. TV for me. There's very few things in life that like I just marked my week around, but in that era, I can promise you, Chappelle's show on Thursday night was something mm-hmm. that I did not fucking miss. And, and I would just be losing my shit at some of his fucking sketches and you know, the insightfulness and the stuff that he fucking found out about society or spoke about society. I mean, that shit was just fucking riotous, dude. Um, to me, one of the fucking most all-time great fucking sketch shows, um, for sure. However, like I said, a complicated history with the man. Uh, in recent years, he's become very pompous, and specifically, I cannot stand his anti-LGBTQ stanzas. And not just the stance, but, you know, he includes it in his comedy. He makes it a part of his, you know, uh, art to talk shit about, you know, the the trans um, situation in this country or the trans rights situation. So, I mean, just that stuff doesn't sit well at all with me. Uh, Along with, like I said, he's very pompous and, you know, thinks he's the best fucking comic to uh, grace the fucking earth um, as of late. What you got? I mean, I just want to talk a little bit about that because that is definitely a show that uh, really captivated a bunch of people. A lot of people were watching it, and you're right. I mean, it was a show that uh, probably one of the best uh, sketch comedy shows of all time. And I I don't think it was just Chappelle, but any genius, any smart man is going to have a bunch of badass people working around him. Mr. Charlie Murphy, rest in peace, Donnell Rawlings. And I agree with you. I mean, Chappelle's been doing all these stand-ups, talking about how funny he is, and that just really annoys the fuck out of me. I've watched several of his Netflix specials that have come out in the last five years, and I can't finish them. I, I get, I started, and either a, a joke is just, you know, not funny, or he's just talking about his past accomplishments. And that's the thing that, like, I don't, I don't get his whole idea to use that he's this badass comic in his actual comedy. You know, like, you can talk about how badass you are in interviews or with other comics in passing, but to stand up on stage and talk about how great you are, I mean, that doesn't Mm -hmm. speak to comedy. Most comedians and and most uh, funny material is is about being self-deprecating, and that's the complete opposite. Um, Nobody wants to hear how you're the best comic. You know, that's just... That's such a weird 
thing to, to, to even pose to the audience. And of course, like I said, uh, for someone who is a black man, someone who is a part of a, uh, a community, uh, a part of a race that has seen the utmost prejudice, you know, you have to be thoughtful um, about the plight of other marginalized communities. And for him to continually knock down the idea that a person can be trans and find themselves in a body that they don't, you know, describe as their own or, or um, you know, feel that it's their body, sexually speaking. They don't identify with, you know, what sex they were born with. Like, that's a marginalized community 100%. And he completely shrugs it off as, like, mental illness, as it's a fucking complete sham, that these people are crazy, that it's a joke. And it's just something that disgusts me and irks me to the core that how can you again as a person of a marginalized uh community look down and 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 talk shit to other people who are are suffering the same prejudices that you might have suffered now till god knows when so again i mean he's not on the level of mj and how you know in the previous episode how you know you've canceled him for for all his um crimes but Dave Chappelle is definitely, you know, not the same comedian he was, again, when we were kids watching the fucking Chappelle show. Um, and it's a shame. It's a damn shame, man. Speaking of Comedy Central, I mean, one of my favorite shows on that one, Broad City, more recent times. But we got to give it up to Alana Glazer and Abby Jacobson for creating one of the funniest shows of definitely the last 10 years. And for real. Ta- um, that, I mean, just- that show... That show to me is the Dave Chappelle show of the modern era, like in my recent lifetime. That's a show definitely that I always looked forward to watching. Just pure, just hilarious moments and and just a couple of friends. And I love it because it's relatable. You know, Abby has a shitty job where she gets treated like crap and her shirt (laughs) says cleaner on the back. And they're always just getting in different schemes, trying to get an air conditioner across New York City. And they have their various episodes where they do drugs and they show their experience on that drug. The Mushrooms episode is a classic episode. Uh, I mean, that that show definitely underrated because I don't think a lot of people were really on it. But, I mean, it had Hannibal Burris on there. I mean, it's just a brilliant show. You know, I'll always say this um, kind of off topic, but on topic. We're talking about, like, kind of cancel culture. Um, but Hannibal Burris is literally responsible, like single-handedly responsible for the demise of Bill Cosby. Single-handedly responsible. In a in a stand-up, like not even a major stand it wasn't even like it was a a stand-up special that was on Netflix and viewed by millions. Not in one bit. He was saying it like at probably some local comedy club about how Yeah, I think it was in Chicago. Dave Cosby's a fucking rapist and and how, you know, he basically open the crowd's eyes up that, oh, no, if you don't know this, there's, you know, hundreds of women or, you know, handfuls of women, dozens of women that have come out against uh, Bill Cosby. That shit went viral. That shit went so viral that within a month or two, Bill Cosby was basically facing, you know, trials. That's how crazy, you know, Hannibal Buress's stand-up change the fucking world for you know such a iconic black star. i mean when you have someone that's willing to take a stance and 
shine the light on something that maybe people have been ignoring. And not to mention the, the fact that, I mean, he's a hilarious uh, stand-up comic on his own. We're talking about these stand-up comics. I think Hannibal Burris right now is a lot more funnier than uh, Dave Chappelle. Another really good stand-up comic that I've always liked for many years is Patton Oswalt. He just came out with a new special recently, and he never he never brags on it at all. He talks about how he's 50 years old and all the shit he deals with now as a 50-year-old. Back to the beautiful women of Broad City, man. Um... I want to. I just do want to say open invitation to Alana Glazer and Abby Jacobson. If you ever want to uh, come over to the Midnight Genius Hour and uh, talk some shit, you know, shoot the shit, please. Open invitation. Hit us up. No, I'm playing. But seriously, I will always say this. I believe they were to some degree shafted by Comedy Central, like uh, workaholics. Another great show didn't, to me, have the hard-hitting nature of um, Broad City, but they had so many seasons. They had seasons that they had, you know, 13-plus episodes per season, yet you had the girls from Broad City that I think were doing much more important um, comedy. You know, they got nine-episode seasons and, you know, finished at, what, I think the third season, fourth season? I feel like they should have gotten way more, bro. They should have gotten more seasons per, more episodes per season, and they deserved at least two more seasons to finish out that story of who those fucking characters were, man. What do you think? I think it's just a tiny unfair to uh, compare it directly to Workaholics because I don't know how much directly related they are to each other as opposed to their separate entities that just happen to be running back to back on comedy central which is probably comedy central's just way of cashing in you know you got the buddy comedy and you got the the female buddy comedy i also know that it is a fact that these two beautiful women were working on broad city as a web uh show for years before it hit uh it, it got onto the tv i think it was amy poehler that had founded and signed it to her production company and then Comedy Central took it over. I honestly think that they were just ready for bigger and better things and they're ready to do their own things. I think Alana came out with the comedy special, a stand-up comedy special right around when it ended. Abby. Yeah, I saw it on Amazon and I will say this, I love her and she was funny in that stand-up special, but you can tell she was out of her element. I mean, she's not a stand-up comic actually, you know, so... She she really went out on a limb and, you know, she's finding herself. We'll see. Yeah, I mean, she's trying out new things. Uh, and then at the same time, Abby Jacobson is uh, doing a voice to that Disenchantment show. She's basically the lead voice on that Matt Groening created show on Netflix, Disenchantment. Uh, I've been checking that out, too. It's pretty funny. So I think <clears throat> I, I agree with you. Broad City way better. Broad City over Workaholics any day. Uh, but I think they were both edgy. I think they were both <laughs> doing crazy shit that was, uh, you know, a, a lot of, you know, pretty out there. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I agree with you. Broad City is, is more my cup of tea, and that show is uh, definitely going to be a classic for a long time. And uh, I agree with Nick. Invitation is open, ladies. You want to talk to us? Tell us we suck. You do it. We're here. <laughs> So to transition into the last, I guess, kind of uh, ideas of uh, the comedy show, 
is, uh, you know, your cult comics, your cult comedian shows, you know, the stuff that's just out there. It's definitely falls in the in the uh, realm of humor, but it's it's just a little trippy. And uh, I think a great segue is uh, Hannibal Burris himself, who was a part of obviously Broad City and is a part of one of the craziest fucking cult comedian shows that has come out in the past, you know, four or five years motherfucking the Eric Andre show starring Eric Andre and uh, his uh, his Ed McMahon fucking Hannibal Burris standing on the side as as people get shot in the chest as people get fucking flamed by Eric Andre I mean it's such a crazy show bro you have to fucking have some sort of opinion that I mean some people hate it some people love it what you got I mean I definitely love it uh, I remember watching that when it was out. I don't know if it's still out anymore. I would I would hope it is, but I honestly think it had like four or five seasons back in the early 2010s or something. But, yeah, I, I mean, that show is awesome. I love it, and I love how Hannibal Burris plays. Um, you say Ed McMahon. I see Andy Richter. But, you know, he, he plays his little sidekick in the whole time. And, uh, Eric Andre's doing his monologue, and Hannibal Burris is just dogging him. And there's times that Eric Andre is interviewing guests, and uh, Hannibal is eating a bag of potato chips and just completely in his own world. And, yeah, exactly, you're right. You don't know who's in on it, who's not. But, I mean, I think that it's definitely a show that... Uh, you got to watch to check it out. And actually, now that I'm looking it up here, notes department being a, a little bit uh, on their game tonight, looks like uh, they've confirmed that, that their last season was in 2016. And get this, man, it's going to come out for a new season in late 2020. Wow. So they got renewed for another season four years after they were basically pretty much done. It's going to have 10 episodes. Andre Andre said that he shaved his head, put on 20 pounds, and sat in tanning beds in preparation. So here we go. Wow. (laughs) Yeah, I'll say this. The world is so crazy right now. They definitely need um, the trippy nature. Yeah, trippy. uh, Did you see that sketch where he uh, goes out into the streets and in a green suit? And just just has people filming like weird ass shit next to him, and they don't even know what he's filming. Of course, dude, he's so fucking crazy. He he reminds me of um, I think to me, I, I'm not even sure what the name of that Gonzo uh, is. It Gonzo fucking uh, television or, or videography? I'm not sure what the term is, but uh, Tom Green, bro. Oh yeah, that's a good one. To just go out into the community yes. and just do stupid shit and see people's reactions. So in that in that fucking vein of comedy, Eric Andre is fucking doing crazy shit out in public, and people want to fucking beat his ass sometimes. Yeah, you're right. I remember when Tom Green would go out and interview people, and he would stick like a little piece of Snickers on the end and melt it to look like a piece of shit, and he would just kind of want to put it right in their face to see what they would do. <laughs> <laughs> this is the Tom Green show. It's not the Green Tom show. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's a that's a that's a good one for cold comedy. I thought you thought of that one, man. That was a good one too. He his and then his dumbass friend, his Andy Richter, was just a guy sipping coffee, laughing at everything. What was his name? Phil. He was just like. <laughs> <laughs> 
we're making some connections here, For bro. Real, fucking man. Andy Rickner fucking was on that shit, and then of course went to Conan fame, who you're a fucking huge fan of, and then Hannibal Burris transitioned us from Broad City to fucking Eric Andre connections so many connections eric andre is also a voice he basically plays a little devil on abby jacobson's shoulder trying to get her to do evil shit on disenchantment yeah these are some funny people dude i mean birds of a feather flock to flock together you know the geniuses like to hang out together shit genius head talking about night talking about that comedy that cult comedy yeah you're right man he's like these these cult comedies just really stand out one of my favorites is trailer park boys and they're just a classic mockumentary style a la the office where the cameras are there but they're kind of they look at the camera you know in awkward times like oh shit i see it there they talk to the camera directly and it's canadian and it's just about a bunch of three three lifelong friends they're poor as fuck they live in a trailer park uh you know one of them <laughs> they're i mean the, the shit they come up with dude like ricky will cut off the bottom of a three liter and use that to drink his his whiskey so he'd be walking around with the little bottom and the heat turn that into a cup drives around with the car with no with no fucking doors on it they're always getting themselves into trouble with the law and just trying to find a way out of it, but it never works out. Every single season is about them trying to come up with a big scheme to make money and then at the end trying to avoid going to jail. And they always end up going to jail every single season, and that's how it ends. I mean, you guys got to check it out. You know, I'll be honest. I mean, I I'm definitely know about Trailer Park Boys, but never really sat down. But to know that it's kind of that mockumentary style, like The Office, and know that it's English, which, in my opinion, the best office is the English, the OG <laughs> For version. For sure, man. Your base. Yeah, hell so yeah. So to think that the Trailer Park Boys kind of, again, in the same vein of that, you know, English humor, that mockumentary kind of style, I got I to gotta give it a fucking try. Genius heads, let's listen to the fucking genius, Brian, and check out some Trailer Park Boys. So that, um... I think that rounds up our our comedy hour, bro. And I think uh, the genius people in the audience want to hear what they came for. And that's good good new music, right? They came for those uncut gems. So, man, I'm, I'm going to start it off with um, a pair of uh, musical acts that you, you might think are just complete polar opposites. Mm-hmm. However... If you look deeper, these cats, or at least one of them, has some love um, for the other band. I'm talking about Banda MS, fucking Banda Norteño Music from Sinaloa, and uh, Mr. Snoop Dogg from Los Angeles, California, the fucking gangster. Connections being made. Snoop Dogg comes out on the last season, the last live season of trailer park boys as himself just more Damn. connections connections after connections so yeah man um if you're on like instagram and shit i don't have an instagram but i definitely see it reposted but uh many many fucking times um snoop dog hops on the fucking live streams smoking blondes just talking his shit and again, like I said, multiple times he's fucking jamming to fucking Norteñas, listening to Los Tigres, Banda MS themselves. Well, guess what? They just linked up 
and they fucking collaborated, bro. So let's listen to a song. Um, que Maldición by the homies Banda MS and the biggest toker, Snoop Dogg. Let's check it out. But say you want me to stay, and I won't. So Leah, I'm here whenever you say that you need me. Si me necesitas, I'll arrive. Believe me. Digo double G, soy tu perito loyal. Even when I get out, I come right back to the yard. Ah, mami, me duele cuando no estás conmigo. Y aunque soy tu hombre, todavía soy amigo. Te digo, te amo. That means I love you dearly. And every time you're gone, I'm always gonna want you near me, Snoopy. Es que no sabes cuánto. Nice man, it has a, a nice little funky feel. I love the little rhythms that uh, um, Banda is playing and singing. And then of course Snoop with the legendary fucking flows. Check it out man. So what you got next Brian? Snoop Dogg, definitely the epitome of cool. Look up cool in the dictionary and you'll see a picture of Snoop Dogg. Mm-hmm. My uh, first music choice here is uh, electronic outfit by the name of caribou just basically the name for dan snape's project as a electronic music man he's got a new album out called suddenly and i'm really uh digging it it's really really an album that i've listened to over and over and over this past year and it, it i think i think i just love the novelty it, it sounds like caribou got a bunch of samples from all his record collection and spliced them up in a way that makes sense it's a parts ambient parts uh, upbeat idm and i really like that it, it's got this nice uh, melodic flow to it might be his best album uh you know it's pensive meditative really really nice music and uh, check it out this is a track called new jade by caribou See you. 
yeah, you can start feeling glad Cause you're not gonna miss Something that you Man, definitely cool. I, I liked how it, it has that patchwork, like you said, like he spliced up his record collection to make, you know, this new whole sound and vibe. I will say this, though, coming off the controversial albums episode, it definitely sounds like there's a Michael Jackson snippet in there. Am I wrong? I hope I am. I haven't done the legwork to check the samples. and I'm not sure if there is one in there. Or not. I don't know. Definitely a dope track, man. Been following Caribou for a minute, man. Uh, he's been out for at least, what, 10 plus years now? At the uh, old, old Club 101, the one on uh, over there by UTEP, off Schuster. There's like five locations for 101, bro. Where uh, Peora was for a while, where the old brewery is now. Right there, wherever that Brass Monkey shopping center. Yeah. That's where Club 101 was. I remember seeing Animal Collective there, and I saw Caribou there uh, right when he came out with Andorra, and I think Andorra came out like in 2007, and I think he was already out since like 2002, so I think he's been making music for a long, long time. All right, man, so I'm going to go into my second track here, Miss uh, Adi Lennox, man. She is so beautiful, talented. I love her flow. I love her vibes, man. She's such like a like a strong character. Um, she teams up with Dreamville, who uh, basically like an outfit um, founded by J. Cole, who I'm not a fan of, but I respect. He definitely um, gets to you know a huge um, amount of talent with uh, Dreamville, including Missani Lennox. Um, new track, just a single, but again, maybe Dreamville is going to be coming out with like a. Uh, a disc hopefully in the summer uh bus it name of the track b-u-s-s-i-t bus it i think y'all know what that means uh so let's check it out man Adi lennox should definitely let us know what bus it means for those of us that don't <laughs> for me i think it means bus it out bro 
Bust it. Bust it out, bro. You know what that means. Bust it out. Whether it means you're fucking. Oh, bust it. Okay, because you're saying. You're, you're saying. All right, you'll be bust. B U S T? No. B U S S I T. Like, bust it out. Like, bust it out. Like, bust it out. I mean, it's it's like a. You know, again, I don't know how people come with come up with the name of uh, their songs, but it's the same thing. Like, bust it out. Ah, okay, I got you. But, you know, Miss Adi Lennox, I think she's from Chicago. I'm not sure. Mm. Where is she from? I'm not you know? sure. I don't know either. Again, this country's so massive. I mean, we're bigger basically than Europe, at least Western Europe. So mm-hmm. there is so many colloquialisms that are unique to different parts of the country. You know, so for us Texans, we might say, bust it out. Nah, man, other people from Chicago who, if you know a little bit about the Great Migration, a lot of Chicago blacks are actually got some roots from the South. Yeah, she's so, from the D.C. area. Yeah, so uh, D.C., so there you go. Even more so, they went a little bit north, and they, they chilled in D.C. Anyways, um, to them, bust it out. Say it quicker. Let's say bust it. Wow. But it's a dope track, man. What you got definitely, for yours? Definitely appreciate Miss Ari Lennox. I loved her album from last year. My next one, I mean, all about the beautiful women. Because, you know, here at the Midnight Genius Side, we're all about women empowerment. We need a woman president. If we can get at least a woman vice president, we'll take it. Please don't vote for that piece of shit Trump, everyone. My next one here is going to be for Miss Alina Baraz. Take It Home is a track. It's so hard for me to come up with the track to choose because there's so many bangers on this album. This this is the album that I think I would be blasting in my car if we were having a regular summer. I would probably be blasting this one because her voice is just so sexy and sultry. And if if for those of us that have seen you know what this beautiful woman looks like, it matches, and the music is just so downright stunning to me. I mean, it just features her voice. Uh, it's unassuming. It, it, the music just lets her voice take the lead. And, I mean, I just love that it's layering the soft bass behind her voice. Uh, the whole album is great. Uh, the album itself is uh, going to be is, It Was Divine. Definitely was. And uh, this is Take It Home. Salina Barras. <laughs> Attention, hold it for a second. I just wanna figure out mm. somewhere you could take me. I've been stressing lately, so how far would you go? I just gotta know. Don't you wanna know? We could take it slow. Won't you say it? Cause I know you know. So you could take and show baby if you take it You all alone, you just gotta say it. Don't you keep me waiting? You say that you want someone to hold. 
I just wanna get you all alone You just gotta say it Don't you keep me waiting I just got to know Don't you wanna know We could take it slow Won't you say it Hell yeah, bro. Such a beautiful voice. And I'll say this. You know what she was saying when she got home? She's like, take me home, take it home, and bust it out, baby boy. I weigh connections nonstop. Connections after connections. Beautiful shit, man. Um, for what it's worth, Genius Heads, you got to go back. If you haven't listened to Lena Barraza's previous um, big album, five years ago, man. I thought it was sooner, but five years ago, 2015, um, Miss Lena Barraza and Galamatis link up. It, not It Was Divine, that was your album. Um, Urban Flora, check it out, man. Five years ago, older album, but as good as this one. Maybe better. I don't know, Brian. You got to go listen to it. Tell me what you think. Next episode, we'll, we'll, we'll hear what Brian thinks about the comparison between her newest and an album from five years ago. So we'll see. All right, guys. My last track is going to be a remix. All right? So it's not brand new, don't hate on me, but it's uh, it's still new in the sense that it's got a new voice on it. One of my favorite voices of all time, Miss uh, Queen Bee herself, on the Savage remix of Miss Megan The Stallion's, um, yeah, track the you know Savage. Of course, it got that huge TikTok fame, but uh, with Miss Bay on it, Miss Beyonce on it, God, I love hearing her rap. She doesn't do it often. But uh, I think it's such a fucking treat when we hear it get down. So yeah, let's check it out, man. Megan The Stallion featuring Beyonce, The Savage Remix. Queen B, won't no smoke with me. Okay. Then turn this motherfucker up 800 degree. Uh-huh. Whole team eat chefs cause she's a treat. Ooh, she's so bougie, bougie, bone never teeth. I'm a savage, had a too nasty. Talk big shit, but my bank account match it. Hood, but I'm classy. Rich, but I'm ratchet. Haters kept my name in their mouth, not a gagging. Bougie. He say the way that thing move is a movie I told that boy we gotta keep it lowly, me the room key I done bled the block and now it's hot, bitch, I'm Tunji I'm mood and I'm moody I'm a savage Classy, bougie, ratchet Sassy, moody, nasty Acting stupid, what was happening? What was happening? Bitch, I'm a savage Classy, bougie, ratchet Sassy, moody, nasty Stupid, what's happening? Bitch, what's happening? Hips, tick, tock, when I dance. dance. On that demon time, she might start her OnlyFans. Big B and that B stand for bands. If you wanna see some real ass, baby, here's your chance. I hey, say man. left cheek, right cheek. I got a lot of junk in the trunk. And Beyonce says, if you ain't got a fucking jump to get in your jeans, you don't know my pain. Shit, I know your pain, baby girl. This big booty fucking finds some problems with them jeans ah i'm playing i'm playing so brian your turn buddy what's your what's your fucking last track for the new uh, uncut gems next track here is uh outfit by the name of man man it's actually just a one-man band here i got notes department's got to do a little better here on getting the the name here but goes by man 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 but it's only one man yeah and it's a first album in a few years too i think that this band was at acl one of the years we were when we went 
And this one is called Dream Hunting in the Valley of the In-Between. And I really like it. It's, it's you know, sort of a concept album, but it's got your rock touches, your your freak folk touches. It's got your pop, of course. But what I, what I like that it sounds like is that it's like a rollicking rock album with really good lyrics. You know, it's 19 tracks, and he he dips in, like, different stuff. It sounds like Tom Waits, some of it. Some of it sounds like old-school rock. Uh, I really like it. You know, it, it shifts in all these different things. And check out this track here. It's called the... Uh, it's called Cloud Nine by Man Man. crazy uh track dude as soon as it plays it it, it sounds very uh cinematic <laughs> feels like i'm on the edge of my seat as soon as the fucking track starts man and you must know nine is not the number nine it's german am i am i wrong as in nine 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 no oh, yeah you're right that's a crazy plan plan words bro Check it out. Let me know what you think. I think that's going to do it for our episode here. Hopefully, you all find some comedic jams here to check out, music jams, and hopefully, you all staying safe out there, too, staying far away from each other. For sure. Y'all social distance, and not to beat um, a dead horse, but catch us on Twitter at Midnight Genius Hour 1. You can fucking drop some fucking comments, some uh, hate mail. Let us know yeah. what we're doing right, what we're doing wrong. We'd love to hear your fucking feedback. Brian, let them know about the fucking blog, dog. Hit us up. Let us know. We got a blog, midnightgeniushour.blogspot.com. Elana, Abby, if you're listening, hit us up. For sure. Again, stay safe, world. We miss y'all. We'll be together soon. For the Midnight Genius Hour, we signing out. Take it easy, everyone. Peace. Here he is. Mitch Hedberg. Mitch? Hey, uh, does anybody recognize me? Uh, come on now. Y'all gotta quit lying. All right. Hey, I like, I like an escalator, man, because an escalator can never break. It can only become stairs. Yeah?
You, you, <laughs> sweet. <laughs> yeah. I want to be a race car passenger. Just a guy who bugs the driver. Say, man, can I turn on the radio? You should slow down. Why we gotta keep going in circles? Man, you really like Tide. I hope next time I move, I get a real easy phone number, you know? Something like 222-22222. I would say, yeah, you know? And people say, hey, Mitch, how do I get a hold of you? I say, just press two for a while. And when I answer, you will know you have pressed two enough. You know, on a, uh, on a traffic light, green means go and yellow means yield. But on a banana, it's just the opposite. <laughs> green, green means hold on. Yellow means go ahead. And red means where did you get that banana at? If I'm, if, I'm out, if I'm out to dinner with a group of friends and someone offers to pay for the check, I immediately reach for my wallet because inside is a note that says, say thanks. <laughs> hey. I'm, I'm cocky and I also believe in reincarnation. When I go to a museum, I say, I might have made that. Do I seem happy? Because I feel happy. <laughs> All right. I was at a casino, and I was standing by the door, and the security guard came over. He said, you're going to have to move. You're blocking the fire exit. As though if there was a fire, I wasn't going to run. <laughs> if, you're, if you're flammable and have legs, you are never blocking a fire exit. I got, I got a blender about a month ago. I'm gonna just blend ridiculous things in front of my friends. I'm gonna put milk in there and then press liquefy. Say, hey, I like milk, but it just ain't mixed up enough for me. <laughs> One time a guy handed me a picture of himself. He said, here's a picture of me when I was younger. Every picture is of you when you were younger. I saw, I saw a concert here in New York City with my friend Craig Gass. It was a heavy metal concert by a band called Monster Magnet. And the singer got, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> and the singer got on the microphone. This is what he said. He goes, all right, how many of you people feel like human beings tonight? They said, all right, how many of you people feel like animals? And everybody cheered after the animals part. But the thing is, I cheered after the human beings part. Because I did not know that there was a second part to the question.